Philadelphia Union, San Jose, Earth, DC, Los Angeles, Galaxy, Beach Pass, Colorado Rapids, Vancouver Whitecaps, Seattle Sounders, Montreal Impact, Tosh USA, New York Red Bulls, Pitch Pass, your all-access credential to the people that matter in MLS. Here's your host, Greg Roach. It's time for another edition of Pitch Pass. Thank you very much for downloading. Thank you very much for going to PitchPass.com and learning more about the show, including how you can subscribe to the show. There are many ways where you can do that, either through iTunes or Buzzsprout or just getting an email when a new episode is uploaded. This episode, we're kind of going to go a little New England Revolution heavy as they are on a nice little streak, beating Kansas City 2-0 a couple of weeks ago and then also now beating Toronto FC over the weekend 2-1. FoxSoccer.com, Kyle McCarthy is is all over the New England Revolution as part of his beat. He covers them for the Boston Herald. We'll talk to him later on about the Revs and about some other MLS issues. But first, we talk to the engine room of the New England Revolution, turning the man of the match performance over TFC over the weekend. He's Lee Wynn, and he joins us right now. Lee, how are you, sir? Hey, Greg. How's it going? It's it's great. And, well, it can't be as good as you. You guys are on a nice little roll, as I mentioned at the top of the show. Two really, really good results against Sporting and then following up this weekend versus is Toronto FC. That's got to make you feel good. Yeah, it feels great, you know, to get a, a win against the 10 champs like that, and then uh, to go on the road and get three points against uh, Toronto with uh, some high-quality players. It's just definitely uh, been a great two weeks question I have, though, and uh, it may be a concern for hair lovers, for women everywhere. Uh, I'm a little concerned about what's going on with your hair. Um, last year, long and flowing. This year, uh, we, we shaved the sides. Is this, a, is this a gradual phasing out of the long hair? <laughs> um, I mean, I'm glad you noticed, but I, <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's one of those things, yeah, I want to I want to cut it short, but my girlfriend likes it longer right now, so, you know, we got a ha- happy medium. Is this a happy medium, though? Because I, I, I've just grown off of having a really, really long beard, so I just cut it off to now have a really, really long goatee. She doesn't seem like she's uh, happy with this compromise we've come up with. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I, I've been trying to get it shorter and shorter, but... um. Right now, my girlfriend's making it long, so uh, you know I'm, I'm slowly trying to, trying to cut it. it. It was it was one side at first, <laughs> now it's two, and then um, I'm also getting the back end as well. So. Uh... You know, who knows? Maybe at the end of the season, you might see it all off. Who knew that Lee Wynn was so whipped that he couldn't he couldn't style his hair the way he wants to? He's got to do it the way his lady friend wants it. Uh, you got a happy girlfriend, happy life. <laughs> it's right? true. That's very very true. So if you had your way. How would you have your hair styled right now if it was totally up to you? Totally up to me? Yes. Ah, uh, I would probably have it somewhere. Um, you know, I would have my my side shaved, and uh, yeah, I would have it um, kind of like what it is now, but a lot shorter, probably like to the to my uh, shoulders or my chin. I have to. Uh, I have to tell you. I think a comb over. You could rock that look really, really well. But the problem is that's barely hanging on to style being in fashion now. So if you're going to do it, you got to commit to it soon. Yeah, right. I mean, who knows? I might always try and bring it back later. True. That's true. Uh, and then my last hair question, and then we'll move on to other things. I noticed you rock the uh, the full, like almost the, the head covering headband rather than what most soccer players go for, which is that little string that comes down. Why do you choose the way you use to keep your hair back over the string? I mean, well, yeah, I like, I like doing different things. Um, but also, uh, you know, it helps me because... 
I have a little. It's a little. It's like like you said. It's a long band that goes in the front, yeah. so I can hold a lot more of my hair. I don't have like a lot of dangling hairs going into my eyes during the game, and then uh, it's also a little scrunchy, like uh, in the back, so you know I can stretch it out or whatever. It can, um, you know, so it's not completely tight on my head. It's you know I can take it off or. or um, adjust it how I like. We're talking uh, scrunchies. So, you know, this is a manly conversation, Lee. You know how we do. <laughs> yeah, of course. You know, but I got to keep it real. Hey, totally, totally. And you got to keep it comfortable. I mean, people go for fashion. Yeah. You go for comfort and fashion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tell me about the addition of Quincy to your, your family and how that's affected your, your form on the pitch. Are you talking about my dog? I am talking about your dog, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was something uh, me and my girl have been talking about again for a while. And, uh, you know, um, so i I just been doing this research of what kind of dog I really wanted. And, you know, this is like probably the best dog, uh, you know, the dog that I wanted. Yeah. She wasn't so so sold on it. Um, but, you know, now, now she couldn't imagine getting any other dog. She loves it. So uh, it's been great. Uh, obviously, the first... Uh, Two three months was was a hassle because you know I had to keep waking up in the middle of the night yep. to let her out and stuff, so that was pretty rough. But you know now it's it's pretty pretty easy because she can stay uh, in her cage or stay asleep for like five six or uh, six seven hours a night and uh, don't have to let her out until I get up. So it's, it's a lot easier now to take care of her. Did you know that you were a dog person before you got the dog? Yeah, I've had a dog before when I was uh, in Europe uh, in Denmark. Uh, and it wasn't too bad because you know it was just me over there, so it was it was something that kept me uh, kept me busy uh, while when I wasn't working. But uh, now um, with me and Allie and Quincy, so now it's, at least one of us is always busy if we're at home. <laughs> I love the picture that you posted. I think it was on Twitter of uh, you and your dog uh, by the by the body of water. It's just it's first of all it's it's very a boy and his dog, and I like that. But it's very uh, it's very poignant because you've got a very serious look on your face. The dog is looking whimsically out over the water. It's a beautiful shot. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Who took it? Oh, my God. Allie took it. My girlfriend took it. And, and what are you thinking about? Because it looks like you're, you're really pondering the meaning of life as you are sitting next to your dog. Yeah, it's exactly what she said. <laughs> I was uh, basically just reflecting, reflecting on the weekend, reflecting on life, uh, you know, just uh, enjoying the peace and quiet of uh, the outdoors. Makes sense. I, I have to ask you, uh, you haven't had Kellen Rowe in the lineup for uh, for a, a spell. Uh, rumor is that he he might be available this weekend. Uh, not too sure. But I wanted to ask you how do you, how is your game or how do you think is your mindset different going into a match when you don't have your uh, your partner in crime with you in midfield? Yeah, I mean it's tough because Rowe, Rowe is such a Kellen is such a great player for us, and he uh, he adds so much more to our, our team in terms of dynamics. And uh, so it's always tough to to lose a player of of his caliber. But uh, you know we we have players uh, Daigo in the squad, yeah. and Dorman has stepped up big as well, which uh, and he's done so well in closing up all the gaps. Which you know a lot of times Kellen, you know, he with his work rate, he can cover a lot of the ground too. But Dylan or uh, um, Andy has done so well in um, covering up that empty space that Kellen's left. And then Daigo has done so well in keeping possession and, you know, making us not have to work so much, uh, defensively by need, by being able to keep the ball. So, uh, you know, guys have stepped up big in, uh, in 
his place, and that's, I think that's what's helped the most. Is it a situation, though, where you, when you have Daigo next to you rather than Kellen, is it is it a situation where you feel like you need to, to change your game or tailor your game to whoever's next to you? Or uh, has kind of Jay Heaps given you the role of saying, okay, they need to adjust to you now. We need you to do what you need to do. No, I think it's more, you know, Jay has his, uh, has his set tactics on, on how he wants everybody to play, and it's pretty similar whoever steps into the spot. You know, they have their role and they have their responsibilities. It's all the same. Um, it's just, you know, when we have the ball, it's, you know, obviously people are going to have different tendencies on the ball. And uh, it's just trying to get a feel for, uh, you know, who likes to do what on the ball and, and you know, how, how do you support them and how do you make runs off of them. And that's just the main thing I had to get used to. There's, uh, I always ask the guys uh, about some of the younger players, guys on on the teams that uh, maybe the rest of the MLS world doesn't know. For you, it's it's Patrick Mullins, although he introduced himself very, very nicely over the weekend. What are you seeing from him in practice? What do you like about him, and what do you uh, what are you thinking as far as the future for him holds? Yeah, I mean, when, uh, I like him. I like him a lot. He's been doing well in training. He's 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 focused, you know, and he's hungry, and that's what you want to see from a, a young lad like himself. But um, you know he's he's smart. You know he picks up things really quick. So uh, you know whether it's Jay or whether it's us on the field telling him what to do. You know you don't have to tell him often or a lot. You know he picks it up and tactically he's he's pretty sound already. Um, now it's just you know getting into how Jay likes to how we like to play as well. And uh, I think he's done well offensively. He has all the tools. He uh, can play hold up very well. And, uh, you know, combining with him isn't hard at all because he's got the skill sets. So uh, I think uh, he's going to be very, very good uh, um, in the near future. Now, I know that you are the Revs PK taker. That's that's your thing. But how is it? How is it? How is this established? At what point did you become that guy? And the reason I ask is you got a new guy, Patrick Mullins. He drew the penalty that you ended up taking is, is there any thought in his head that maybe you know maybe I'll I'll take it since uh, the penalty was against something that I did and when do you come in and go actually no youngster I'm the penalty taker guy I will take this <laughs> It would be cool if I did that <laughs> It would be great <laughs> No nah, I mean it, it was uh it's definitely um you know, it's been drew up, you know, before the game and whatnot. And, uh, you know, Jay decides on who's taking the PK. Okay. He's done it. So we've, we've obviously trained for it in training. And uh, if, if there is a PK that comes up, you know, he's like, all right, we go take it. And so, you know, um, after training, I'll, I'll, I'll obviously, um, the day before game or whatever, I'll uh, take, you know, a couple PKs just, you know, just to get, you know, some training. But uh, come game time, he'll always – you know, put on the board who's taking the PK, who's taking the free kicks, who's taking the corner kicks, so everybody knows what's who's who's doing what um, when when that time comes. Now that's all fine and dandy, Lee, but I know uh, your good friend Charlie Davies guy likes his goals, and if if he were happy to draw a PK, I, I could see him maybe going off the script and saying, I, you know, I'll take this, I'll take this, and then I would like to see you do the actual hand on the chest of a hey, stand back, son, I got this. Maybe we'll do that on TV. <laughs> uh, what is it like with you and Charlie? And I know Teal is very close with you. Uh, how did that whole triumphant of guys come together? And, and what's it like for you guys off the pitch, hanging out? 
Oh, it's been great. We've been clicking. Uh, we've we've been always close and keep and kept in contact when we were playing overseas. So uh, who knew we would have been playing on the same team uh, in MLS a couple years later? Yeah. But um, you know, even when we were on the national team when we were younger, we would be like, how sick would it be if we were to play on the same team together? Uh, <laughs> you know, in the pros, and, uh, and you know, now it's possible, and it's been great. Uh, you know, he's one of my great longtime friends. So you know. Um, we hang out a lot uh, off the field and, um, you know, obviously you can see it translates on the pitch when we're playing and, you know, we want to fight for each other because, uh, you know, we're so close with each other and, we, you know, we want to, we always want to see the, you know, each other succeed. And, uh, you know, it's always great to have someone like that who has your back and you know that he'll do anything for you on the pitch. How, uh, how close or how confident are you to walk into Jay's office and say, Hey, uh, I'm thinking maybe we do four, four, two. That way I can get my boys, Teal and Charlie up top with me just underneath and we can really do some damage. <laughs> how cl- how uh, confident are you to do that? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know if anyone's got the balls <laughs> to do that. But, <laughs> um, no, nah, I mean, uh, we all, we all love, you know, uh, Jay and what he's done with this team and, you know, uh, I think everybody's loved the, uh, you know, the tactics and the style of play that we're playing. It's, you know, it's 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 an attractive, attractive totally. style of football, and uh, I think all the players have bought into his system. And so, um, you know, it's it's tough because you know he can only put eleven players on the field, and uh, you know we only have one striker. But you know, uh, Teal and Charlie, these guys, they can play, you know, any of the top three positions. So. It's just, um, you know, now it's just about, you know, working hard and, you know, biding your time or not. And, uh, you know, Jay's going to do um, what's best for the team. And I think everybody, as long as we're winning, everybody is happy no matter what. Now, Lee, before I let you go, I uh, I was reading up on you and I, I found out that you've gone gluten-free. Um, now, I, I went, I'm mostly paleo. Uh, and then I sometimes go through some hardcore stuff where I don't do anything. It's a really strict diet. But what is the biggest thing that you miss going gluten free? <laughs> um, yeah, I've gotten uh, gluten free for uh, you know, cause I, you know, I didn't really, you know, Joseph was the first one who really got me on it, um, and so last year uh, I tried it. You know, probably like the last two months of the season is when I really tried it, and it's I hard. Tell I made a big difference. Yeah, it's... I can tell I made a big difference in the way I felt during the entire day in the games and whatnot and so i uh decided to try a little bit more hardcore this year and uh go you know six days out of the week because <laughs> it's pretty tough when you're going out to the restaurant yes and see everybody eating all these you know nice dinners and desserts and whatnot so i decided to do six days a week balloon free and then at least have one cheat day so uh, you know you don't feel too bad Okay, so what? But so what? What is it when everybody goes and orders something? Do you go, oh man? Like what? What are you losing? What are you missing the most with your no gluten? It's actually not too bad, you know. I I, I never really um liked. Well, I, I loved bread before. That, yeah, but and that's the big thing. Yeah, exactly. So I had to cut out bread, and that was the main thing. And uh, I was always eating, you know, like sandwiches yeah. or uh, you know baguettes with um, jam or jelly, whatever. And so that was really tough to put that out. But then, you know, um, you still have rice. So um, after taking bread out, I had to take a, basically I had to take a, well, you lose, you lose, just eating rice and chicken. And so that, that yeah. kind of got old. And you lose so, pizza, um, you lose pizza out of there. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, my girlfriend's been doing really good in shopping. She's got like gluten-free bread, got gluten-free uh, brownies. So I mean, like if if I had a didn't want to cheat, I could go gluten-free dessert there, and yeah, you know, that helps. But um, it's definitely been a tough transition. But you know, I guess if you, you did baby steps, because I did it last year, but I didn't do it, you know, to the extent where I'm doing it this year. Yeah, yeah. And what is your what is your cheat day? Is it Sunday? Yeah, after the game. game. (laughs) All right, so I guess the answer to the question is: so Sunday comes, what are you what are you getting on your cheat day? Because that would be the thing that you miss the most. So what are you ordering? Sandwich? Oh, no. First thing in the morning, we're going to brunch, and I get French toast. (laughs) Gotta. Yeah, thousand percent. That's exactly what I get every Sunday. Well, Lee, you guys are uh, in a good run of form. Big game versus Seattle this week. It's on Sunday, though, Lee. What are we going to do? <laughs> the match this week's on Sunday. <laughs> They're messing up my schedule. <laughs> You're missing your cheat day. <laughs> but regardless, I I push it back. Good, good luck with it, my friend, and, uh, and continue success uh, in this season. Thank you for hanging with us. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me. That's Lee Wynn. Of New England Revolution, who this Sunday, I wouldn't I wouldn't even, if you have his phone number, I wouldn't even text him. I wouldn't even tweet at him on Sunday because he will probably be in a crabby mood because he will not be getting his beloved French toast on Sunday morning because they're going to match Sunday afternoon, evening, 6 o'clock-ish, I think, is when the match is taking place versus Seattle Sounders, and that is at Gillette Stadium. You know, Sounders fans, what would be a very funny but also mean thing to do would be just to Instagram him pictures of delicious plates of French toast. Uh, Just something to think about. If you really Sounders fans were on your game, that might be something to think about. Let's talk to FoxSoccer.com's Kyle McCarthy. He covers the New England Revolution for his other, 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 other job as part of the Boston Herald. And the guy just knows everything about American soccer and specifically MLS. So we'll talk to him about some other stuff. But first, we'll kick it off with some revolution talk with Kyle McCarthy. Kyle, hello, sir. How are you? I'm doing really well today. How are you? I'm, I'm great. We uh, we just talked with Lee Wynn. So, you know, they're the team that you cover full time or most of the time. So let's start there before we look at some other uh, MLS things going on. Um, you know, as I mentioned, we just spoke with Lee Wynn and... Uh, you know, for a lot of people's accounts, he was the best player on the pitch uh, versus TFC, uh, even factoring in the TFC DPs. This is a standard that I don't, I don't know if we've come to expect from Lee Wynn, but what does he need to consistently be in that conversation? Well, that's a good question. He, he played very well against Toronto. See, I would agree with it, the fact that he was probably the best player on the field that day. And he's he's been an important part of what the Reds have done so far this year. He, his movement is good. His defensive application has been good. And, and he's posed some problems. So um, for a guy like Lee Wynn, it's about consistency. It's about doing it week after week. And he's shown over the first two months or so that, that he's capable of doing it. Now it's a matter of carrying it through three, four, five months and helping the Reds push forward with the playoffs. Are we in a so as Lee Wingo, so go the Revs situation, or is he he's not that influential yet for the club? Well, I, I think it's more of a Lee, how Lee Wynn and Kellen Rowe go, the Revs go, and, and that's been the impressive part about the Revs uh, squeaking out a couple of wins over the past couple of weeks is that they managed to do it without Jose Gonzalez and, and Kellen Rowe, who have both been sidelined with injuries. And, and when you look at how Lee Wynn operates. He works best when he has 
row next to them because they, they operate a little bit differently. Uh, wind's a little bit more side to side, and then row's a little bit more uh, north and south. So uh, when those two guys are in tandem, they're very effective. But the fact that Wynn has, has played so well without him speaks volumes to the sort of form he's been able to put together. We talked with John Strong after the Chicago Fire match, and I asked him which team long-term has a, a better outlook. At the time, the Revs were struggling. He, he said the Revs, and it's kind of coming to fruition now. Uh, but I didn't think that they would turn it around this quickly against the caliber of, co- of, of competition that they were up against. What's changed the last few weeks that the Revs have been able to put a, a run together against some top teams? Well, you're you're looking to get results, and it's not necessarily about the performances because if you if you go into that locker room and you ask them how they've played over the past couple of weeks, they'd say, well, okay, uh, but you get the points. And good teams find a way to wring points out of matches when they're not at their top form, and that's what the Reds have done over the past two weeks. You look at those two games. And you would say, you know, two points is probably fair. There wasn't a whole lot going on in that Sporting Kansas City game. And there wasn't really, in truth, much going on against Toronto FC either. But the Reds persisted, and they found a way to turn two points into six. And that's how teams break free of the pack and start to move toward the playoffs. And it's a good sign for them going forward as they try and establish the sort of consistency required to break into that upper echelon of the Eastern Conference. Oh, that's interesting that you would say that. Uh, My takeaway from your answer is that the Revs actually aren't really firing all cylinders yet, especially with the injuries, which you mentioned, but they're getting points, which means there's a the ceiling for this team is even higher than the results the last two weeks would even indicate. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, and that's that's what it's been all, all year for, for Jay Heaps, trying to mix and match pieces and trying to get guys in a spot where they can be effective. And, and you've seen it over the past two weeks where they don't have everybody on the fold, but they're still finding a way to get results. And uh, with the sort of shape that they put together and, and the collective commitment uh, to defending and pressing, uh, they have the tools to, to bring out results, and, and they've been able to do that uh, against good teams uh, over the past couple of weeks. What is, what's the latest on Gonzalez and Rowe? When do we expect them back? Uh, Kellen Rowe could be back as soon as Sunday uh, against Seattle. He's struggled with a hamstring injury for, for quite a bit of time now. And that's the sort of knock where you want to take it carefully uh, and, and make sure that he's 100% fit before you rush him back. Uh, in terms of Gonsalves, he's probably a little bit further back, maybe not this weekend, maybe more next week or the week after. Uh, his quad is, is still recovering. Uh, and it, it's really disconcerting because I thought he was bionic. And <laughs> the fact that he's actually been injured is, is somewhat, uh, somewhat stunning. Having said that, what are your thoughts on on Andrew Farrell coming in, playing in in, the, in central defense rather than outside? And uh, where do you see him long term? I see him in the middle long term. I, I think that's the best fit for his skills. I, I think that's the best fit for the Revolution long term. And, and the question for me is, how, how does he? take that next step as a center back. You can see all the tools are there. He's a great one-on-one defender. He's got the necessary physical capabilities to thrive in that position. It's about refining what he's already got there. Is he making the right tactical decisions? Is he putting himself in the right spots all the time? Is he dealing with clever forwards in the proper fashion? That's sort of the next leap that he's going to have to make. But all of the foundations, that you want for a great center back in MLS are, are already there.
philosophical question. Uh, when you give me that answer, how are you, what perspective are you looking at it from? Uh, the player's perspective, the club's perfect, uh, uh, perspective, the, the the national team's perspective. Because I, I, sometimes that answer is different. And I look at a guy like Jeff Cameron is a perfect example who, you know, at the club level, they want him outside. At the national level, you kind of want him centrally. Uh even if it's central midfield rather than central defense, but the answer changes depending on how you look at it. How are you looking at it from from Andrew Farrell's perspective? From Andrew Farrell's perspective, I'm looking at it from uh, from an outside view, not necessarily for for the club or for him or for the national team, but just looking at his capabilities and where I think he fits best long term. Where where can he hit the highest point of his potential? And I think for me, that's in central defense. And for the record, I always thought that Jeff Cameron should have played in central defense. I was yeah. always frustrated when I saw him play in central midfield for the Dynamo. He can do it, and he's good in that spot. And I understood why Don Kinnear kept playing him there, because he had wider needs for the team. But I always thought that Jeff Cameron would be a, a good center back and a guy who could really reach the level that he has at Stoke City in that position. So it's tough to really impose your thoughts on, on those matters because the needs are, are so different from place to place, whether you're talking about the club or the national team, and it really has an impact on the future of players. Yeah, and you know, it's an interesting question I, I would uh, I would pose to one of these guys who was in the situation. Do you, if you're an Andrew Farrell, do you think to yourself, okay, well, probably my fastest track onto the field uh, for the Revs was outside, uh, but I might be better off centrally for maybe a possible big money move to Europe. But also, uh, I might have a, a quicker track to the national team if I'm a right back. And these are the things that you have to, I guess, balance and think about in your head before you go to the manager and say, this is where I want to play. Yeah, no, and all of those calculations get thrown into the mix. But but first things first, you have to succeed for your club. True. And to do that, you have to get on the field. So <laughs> for Farrell, I think right, right back was always the, the first stopping point. It's just a matter of where he's going to evolve over the next few years before he starts to enter the national team conversation and think about those larger roles. A professional coming out party for Patrick Mullins. Is this a situation where this is what we expect from this guy? This is a, okay, this is what he's capable of doing, but let's let's temper our expectations. Where are you right now with Patrick Mullins? Let's temper the expectations. He's done very well against Toronto FC. He hit a, a wonderful first MLS goal uh, off of Daniel Henry's terrible pass out of the back. And, you know, he, he played a role in creating that penalty uh, award that win uh, tucked yes. away. So, That's... I mean, those are good things. But you also have to remember that he hasn't been in the squad for much of the season. Like, he, he's not been a factor for the Revs up until this point. And it, it's been through the, the, the missteps of others that he's, he's received this chance. So, I, I think you have to remember that he's a rookie. There are going to be ups and there are going to be downs. There are going to be games where he's going to be good, and there are going to be games where he's a non-factor. So I think you have to have patience with young forwards in MLS because it takes a little bit of time to adjust to the league and figure out how to score goals. And I guess this is a good situation for Jay Heaps. He's got a rotation of forwards that he can use, but none of them are... None of them are Jermaine Defoe, where they automatically put themselves in the lineup, so he can get away with a rotation depending on the matchups without having to, uh, uh, I guess, hurt feelings of players of big with big stature. 
Yeah, and you see it as a positive. I see it as looking at that squad and, and thinking, you know, these guys could really use a, a forward, <laughs> a front-line guy who can come in and give you 15 goals reliably. Uh, and, and you can look at it both ways. And I, I think the Revs have done a decent job of trying to wring stuff out of, what the, of the guys that they have. But eventually, if they want to meet their objectives for the season, they're going to need to upgrade in that spot. So that's a. Do you see another trouble spot though for the Rebs, or is post World Cup who we go after is a center forward? I think you. I think the two spots that they've always said uh, since the off season that they've wanted to strengthen are that number nine spot where Juan Agudelo used to play, and and the number six right in front of the uh, the back four, and they've gotten good performances out of Andy Dorman as the holding player this year. Uh, and that reduces the urgency a bit in that spot. And they've struggled to score goals from the run of play. So I, I think I think when you look at the Revs in terms of where they want to be, and they want to be on that level with Sporting Kansas City and New York, those teams that are clearly the, at the top of the East right now, uh, they're going to need to probably upgrade up front in, in order to reach that point. Before we move off of of this and into some some other issues in MLS, uh, let me ask you a throwaway question. The uh, Brazilian World Cup team was announced today, and Julio Cesar, not a surprise, was on it. Projected starter uh, at keeper for Brazil. I, I don't think that MLS is going to get too much of a rub from that accomplishment, but it is going to be cool uh, as they start talking about the matches and commentating on the matches that the throwaway line will be, hey, the Toronto FC man from the MLS side. Like that, I think that is a good thing for the league on a, on a world stage to have even that throwaway line mention of where this guy plays his domestic uh, soccer. There's definite value to that. And, and I think you're right. I mean, when you look at Brazil, I mean, it's tough to get a, a more influential national side than Brazil. He's going to start in goal for the host country at the World Cup and the country that has had the most success in that competition. That's a big deal for MLS. And it it is a throwaway line. It is something that that just gets mentioned offhand. But you know what? MLS can take any of those sorts of mentions at this point because any association with positive influences at the World Cup is a good thing for the league. Let's talk about Sasha Kleshin. The rumors uh, coming out as we record that uh, he is unhappy at Anderlecht. Makes sense as he hasn't featured very often in the team this year. Uh, looking for a move away, and the rumor is uh, a move back to MLS. Uh, what are your your initial thoughts on that as as the rumor starts to to gain a little steam? Yeah, I, my my Fox Soccer colleague Leander Sharlockins reached out to Sasha earlier today and said. Uh, and asked Sasha about it, and he said he's focused on the on the end of the season with Anderlecht, and and that's all well and good. But he wants to be playing first team football, would be my guess. And if he's coming back to MLS, it's a little bit tricky because he's going to face the same sort of situation that guys like Marisa Du and Michael Parkhurst have faced in terms of do you want to take the pay cut that is required to leave Europe and come back to the United States to play. And that's not an easy decision, particularly at this point in time, because when you look at what you do and Parkhurst did, they did it in a bid to get to the World Cup. There's no World Cup carrot if Sasha Kleshton comes back to the United States during the summer. That's, that's a simple money question. So uh, I think it'll be a complicated issue for him to sort of work through, and he's going to have to decide what's important to him personally and professionally. Uh, pardon my ignorance, Kyle. Um, 
you bum me out a little bit. I understand you move from England to MLS, it's a pay cut. I understand you move from Germany, all Bundesliga 2, to, to MLS, it's a pay cut. Is it a significant pay cut if he were to parlay this into a, a Maurice Adu, Michael Parkhurst-type contract coming from Belgium to MLS? Well, when, you, when you're talking about Belgium, you're talking about Anderlecht, which is the largest True. club in Belgium. And that's a big, that's a big difference than playing for a, a mid-table side in Belgium. Uh, I would assume that it will be a, a, a decent cut because if you're looking at Sasha Kolesian, are you bringing Sasha Kolesian back to the league as a designated player? No. I, I think probably not. And, and that's, that, that's the reality of the situation. So if he's not coming back as a designated player, then, then there are some, some questions about where you fit him in, how much money can you give him, and where that fits in with his overall compensation. So it's, it's tricky because MLS is still a league that focuses on trying to constrain costs. And at this point, it's, it's difficult for players because they have to choose. I mean, Michael Parker had to make a choice. He was on the bench at Augsburg, but I, I – Pretty darn sure he was making more yeah. uh, in the Bundesliga than he was than he is right now with the crew. But he decided to to swap places because he wanted to play and he wanted to have a chance to go to the World Cup. And when you take away one of those goals, then then it becomes a different sort of calculation. It becomes what does your family want? What do you feel like doing? And and that's that's tricky because you know the the career is only so long. Last thing before I let you go, and it's uh, about FC Dallas, the the Diaz rumors of, of how long he will be out for uh, finally made official as FC Dallas confirms that he will be out uh, six to ten weeks. It's a big window, actually, but uh, the the initial rumors we heard was out for the season. So uh, while it's a long time, if it turns out to be the upper end of that estimation, still you can you can cross your fingers that he comes back by the end of the year. But at this point, uh, the, the the big start from FC Dallas kind of looking a little further and further in the rearview mirror. Is this uh is this a, a gut punch or a, a death nil for FC Dallas and their chances moving forward? It's certainly an issue. And here's why. Not only is Diaz an important part of what they're trying to do, but he's also going to miss the exact period where other teams are going to be weakened. So if FC Dallas, a side that's not particularly impacted by the World Cup, yeah. could could rack up some results while other teams are trying to muddle through without their key players, that's, that goes a long way to establishing consistency and the, the, the point total that they need to return to the playoffs. It's much harder without Diaz. He is the most important player on their team. He makes their work in possession, saying he is the creative force. And uh, other teams will, will face similar issues over the next you know, month, two months. But FC Dallas had a chance to sidestep those concerns but Diaz's injury is kind of limiting that potential advantage for them. It's a great point. At Kyle J. McCarthy, you want to follow him on Twitter, Fox Soccer. He's all over there. Are you going to World Cup, Kyle? I'm not going to the World Cup. I will be covering from home. Okay. Uh, working working, uh, working on on World Cup stuff and, and keeping inside MLS going as well during the, uh, during the World Cup. Fantastic. I talked to our Kyle, and I said, make sure we get Kyle McCarthy lined up for something during World Cup. Uh, you're one of the best in the business. I thank you for joining us. I appreciate it, my friend. Well, thank you, my man. Have a good one.
information, go to pitchpass.com.